listening to the Arsenal Ramble. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Ramble. Today we're going to be going through the Arsenal Wolves game, the final game of the Premier League season and therefore the final post-match reaction uh, of the season. Um, I'm joined as ever by my co-rambler Dom. How are you mate? You had a good bank holiday weekend? Yeah, I've, I've had a really good one, actually, mate. I've uh, been out at a festival in Leeds called Slam Dunk, for anybody that knows about it. Um, they do one up north and one down south. So, uh, yeah, it's quite a popular um, festival. And it's not my sort of thing, but my brother got tickets and I thought, you know what, I'll go along and see what it's all about. And it turned out to be pretty good. So uh, a nice bank holiday all in all. And um and a massive Arsenal win just to top it off and uh, finish off the season, which is also uh, something that's quite nice because it was it was what we were asking for, really, of the players after how they'd, well, not performed over the last few weeks uh, to any sort of good standard um, that's acceptable. And, um, yeah, we just we all wanted the boys to go out there, almost similar to last season when um, we played Everton, just to put on a performance for the fans and um, get us excited for the following season. So, yeah, it was it was also nice to um, have that happen as well. But uh, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, all good, man. All good. Um, yeah, similar to you, really. Just uh, enjoying the bank holiday weekend, uh, enjoying the weather. Been really good weather uh, over here in uh, the UK. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. What a great game that was for them to, to top off the season. Uh, it always seems to be this way, doesn't it? If you've got the home fixture on the final day of the season, you just seem to have that massive advantage, um, that sort of sign-off of the um, of the year and a chance to uh, thank all the fans and, and, and things like that. So, yeah, it was it was nice to, to top it off with um, a battering of Wolves, uh, let's be honest. Um, and like you say, especially after the, the previous two fixtures, um, against uh, Brighton and Forest where we didn't really cover ourselves in glory. So it was nice to sort of put that to bed a little bit and um, yeah, and uh, just have a a real good day out battering Wolves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Should we go into the starting lineup as we always do and um, sort of disseminate that? So it was a bit of an unusual starting lineup, I guess we're sort of forced into it to to some degree with, with injuries and whatnot. We saw... Partey at right back again. Um, ben White moved back into centre back, uh, where he played a lot of last season. And um, Kivior out there at uh, left back in Zinchenko's absence. Um, what were your thoughts on this? I mean, first thing I thought of was, what, what, you know, why is Tierney not playing? Like, you know, should is this a game for, for Tierney potentially? Um, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so my first thoughts were um, Tierney's got one foot out the door already but by seeing that starting lineup, up uh, I know we've all had hints of him potentially having a, a um, move away and he's linked with Newcastle, isn't he, um, as well. And I think this just kind of solidifies that, um, solidifies the fact that he probably won't be playing in an Arsenal shirt next season um, because, yeah, you, we don't have a full-back um, 
but we, we do have a fullback available and it is Tierney and he wasn't selected to play. So um, the only other thing I could maybe kind of muster up is that Arteta's, you know, he's using these last few games that are sort of meaningless um, to be able to experiment and try different systems and different players in, in these sorts of areas, you know, with Ben White going back to that position, seeing if he's still as effective there as he was in the previous season. So um, that could be a part of it as well. But yeah, it, to me, it does speak volumes. And it does kind of uh, almost say that Tierney's on his way out. Mm, yeah, I have to agree. You know, it, it did not look promising for his Arsenal career that. Um, sometimes I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but you, you, final game of the season as well. It's it, Like you say, it was a bit of a dead rubber where... Um, the players that he may not have trusted as much, you'd like to think, would at least get game time. I don't know. It's uh, an unusual one. Um, what about the rest of the team then? We've got um, Jorginho uh, in the typical Partey's position, the, the holding player. Odegaard, Xhaka. Xhaka playing um, what could be his final game of the season. It looks very much like that at, at, at full time. It seemed as if he was going around the, the stadium, thanking fans, uh, a bit of a farewell sort of vibe. But what what do you think to that? Yeah, I, I kind of got that vibe as well from Xhaka. And I think we've been around the houses uh, with Granit Xhaka in his career at Arsenal. We've had some definite highs and some definite lows. Um, I don't think you could really uh, go any further down than he's been um, in an Arsenal shirt. You know, after that infamous game, I think it was against Crystal Palace, wasn't it, where he was swearing at the fans when he got subbed off. Um, and he just, you know, he had such a revival story from there. He he came back and he, he became back... Um, part of the first 11 again and started performing really well. And he was almost at one point undroppable because he was playing that well and performing that well. And um, he's been such a massive part of our success this season. I know, unfortunately, we didn't manage to get over the line in the end and we weren't able to <clears throat> cling on to win the title. But Granit Xhaka was a massive part of us even having a claim a, a, even staking a claim to be able to try and challenge um, he brought goals he brought assists he brought movement um, and just his experience to be able to um, slow games down win fouls in in the final third and um, in our own third as well just to take the pressure off so yeah it's going to be sad to see him go and it does look like he's going to be going to I think it's Leverkusen isn't it um, that are linked with with Granit Xhaka, um, one of the most experienced <clears throat> one of our most experienced players, potentially going out the door. But that just means to me that if he's being allowed to leave, then hopefully that revolving door comes back around and we get some young, promising talent back on the on the other side of that. Um, hopefully, you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about it a bit later, but potentially like a Rice or a Caicedo or someone of that ilk. So yeah, it's sad to see him go, but he's been a good servant to the club. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and the only other thing that I noticed um, with regards to the starting lineup, but I suppose not the starting lineup, but more what I saw in the game was um, for the first time I saw Jesus and Saka alternating a bit more with the number nine position and, and the right wing. Um, I definitely saw Saka playing as that, yeah, well, the number nine uh, for, for a fair bit of time in this game. And Jesus out there on the wide, and we'll go into it a bit later, but he was very effective out there at times. Um, so 
do you think this could be something again an experimental thing that Arteta's maybe looking at in this game for, for next season and, and something that we could maybe um, utilise more of in, in terms of alternating those two a little bit more? Oh, yeah, for sure, because uh, Jesus played that right-sided role quite often when he played at City and he played it to a really high standard. And I think we just kind of put two and two together when he came to Arsenal that there was this this space, this availability in the nine role up top. Uh, and Jesus is going to come in and we can have him there and we don't really need to have, have him go anywhere else because we've got two great wingers either side of him. But... I think all great teams need fluidity um, along the front three. And Jesus being a primarily right-footed player, sometimes you want to be switching that up with Saka. You know, the, the fullback who's going up against Saka, they're going to have all of the briefing um, <clears throat> to be trying to keep Saka on his right foot, to try and keep him on the outside so that he, he can't put on a decent cross of his right foot. And they would have been practising that pre-match. But then if you have him dovetailing with Jesus, swapping roles, going inside and Jesus then going out on the right, then all of a sudden the game plan's gone out the window and the fullback's thinking, oh no, what do I do? Who do I mark? Where do I go? And this is something that all decent possession-based teams need to be able to facilitate is these these multi-roles where players overlap and they go into each other's space because it, it's a nightmare for defenders, especially against players like Saka, Jesus, who, who've got the ability to roll and beat a man and they've got quick feet. Um, so, yeah, I was really happy to see that. And I do I do hope that that's something that we see more of next season, especially as well if we end up getting a, another forward through the door as well, because that would be a really important asset to be able to have Jesus in, in a different role if he's not creating in that central role, being able to be pushed out wide and even potentially be um, more cover for Saka, you know, because we see how burnt out he's looked especially in those really important fixtures in the last 10 games or so um mm. yeah it'll be it'll be really important to have jesus be more um more up to speed in that role um i know he's he's done it before but in an arsenal shirt yeah my thoughts exactly actually with the with the whole theory behind if we were to get another number nine in um or maybe a replacement for an enketia or a balagan or, or someone like that um, that would allow us to then utilise Jesus on the right a little bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it previously. Saka has been overplayed, let's be honest. He's absolutely burnt out and he's even been playing through this Achilles issue that he's had over the last month or so, um, which just shows how important he is to Arsenal. But we need to be mindful that um, he's... He's not. If he's not fresh, he's not the same Saka. So we need to have that ability to rotate him in and out of the team if required. And having Jesus out there on the right is definitely another string to our bow and, and allows us to keep that uh, quality in the team without hindering the starting lineup too much. So yeah, I am glad that we've seen that in this game. Um, I'm hoping that is something that we can bring into into next season. Okay, should we should we dive straight into the uh, into the actual game itself? Then um, it seemed like the narrative was written already, didn't it? Um, Eleven minutes in, one 0 to the Arsenal, and it, it had to be uh, the man himself, Granit Xhaka. Um, 
beautiful little um, cross from from Jesus and and Xhaka just heads home from um, from close distance. Um, so yeah, it was it was nice to see him able to score on um, what could and, and is likely to be his his final game for for the Arsenal. Yeah, I, I do feel like there was a sort of. Um, a feeling in with with Granite Xhaka, I, I feel like he, with him knowing it's potentially most likely his last game in an Arsenal shirt, was getting himself into the box way more than he would usually do. Um, you saw on every attack, you saw Granite Xhaka flying into the box, just <laughs> hoping that he'd be able to get onto the score sheet. And you know, it's maybe that's something that he should have done more this season because he he looked quite threatening in those areas. Um, but yeah, as you say, the ball comes out to Jesus on the right, and this is what we mean with him and Saka changing positions um, that is a beautiful cross that he, he puts into the box and Xhaka is pretty much unmarked in that in that space and nods it home mm. and um, yeah you, you feel like Wolves they've not really got much to play for they didn't really turn up at all um, and they just kind of let <laughs> let us go into a 1-0 lead and then from there on mm. you didn't really feel like we were going to uh, be under any threat did you? No, uh, this game was, uh, it was like a friendly, really. It, it, it had friendly vibes, I thought. Um, Wolves just did not turn up at all. Um, and it, it goes back to what I said earlier. The home team on the last day of the season, if no one's got anything to fight for, majority of the time they will win um, because, the, you know, the, they've got something to, to give to their fans then. Um, a little final farewell for the season. So, yeah, it, it had all the elements of that. Um and uh, I don't think Ramsdale really had to do anything <laughs> all that old game. He could have just sat there quite comfortably and uh, done nothing. And I don't think they would have scored. So, um, yeah, it was a, a real easy one for him. But uh, just three minutes after that first Xhaka goal, um, he only went and did it again. It was a great play by Saka. Odegaard's little flick, it sort of deflected into the path of Xhaka and then again could not miss Um so the narrative then was building into could he potentially get a hat-trick on his final day of the season. Um, but yeah, another nice little goal for him there. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I completely agree. That was a, it was a nice little um, tap-in and he, he had to steer it um, quite accurately, didn't he, to be honest, because there was a lot of players and a lot of legs that were uh, between him and the goal for him to actually get it in. But um, yeah, the narrative was really building then. You felt like Jacques is on for a hat-trick and um, what a moment it would be for him to to depart the club um, whilst going to hat-trick. A, a lot of my friends were messaging me as well saying, why are we potentially getting rid of this guy? He's on for Hatchik in his last game of the season but obviously it's a, a, a small part of the whole context of everything but um, yeah he, he well he almost got a Hatchik didn't he he um, had an incredible opportunity a, a bit further I think it was potentially after our third goal I'm not quite sure um, but he, he was delivered to him I wouldn't say on a plate, but he had time and space in the centre of the box. And this time he just kind of fluffed his lines. And it, it was one of those air shots where uh, we've all done it when you're playing football at school, where the ball comes across and you feel like you're going to shoot it top bins and then you just slice it and it gets wide. Mm. Yeah, it was just horribly miscued, wasn't it? Um, it all ha- it happens to the best of us. But um, yeah, that's nine goals for Granite Xhaka this season. That is going to be... Um, 
quite a void to fill for the the player that fills his boots. Um, do you think that's achievable to, to replace Xhaka? Um, it's uh, yeah, nine goals from midfield. It's it's that's up there, you know. Like it's it's, it's some going that. Yeah, I don't know if it's achievable. I also don't know if it's a necessity because if we have players in different areas, for example, if we do get in a another number nine who's a goal-scoring machine, you know, Jesus is a decent player. He'll get you some goals and he's very creative. But if we have another player that's going to get those extra goals in those areas, I'm not sure if we're going to need a player like Xhaka in those areas to be bombing forward and getting those goals. Of course, we're always going to want to, to be able to get goals from midfield like that's something that every big team needs to be able to win titles and to be able to challenge for Champions Leagues etc um, but yeah I, I do feel like if we can just get that kind of it factor player the one that's going to be bagging 20 plus goals a season because a lot of our players are in double figures but kind of the lower end you know towards 15 goals sort of thing if we've got a player a number nine that can get 20 21 goals uh next season then i think we'll be an absolute force mm. do you not think jesus could have got that then because uh, i think he ended up on 11 and um he had a good four months out didn't he so it's Part of me thinks, could he have got 20-plus goals if it had been fit throughout that that injury period? Um, But then the other side of the coin is, before his injury, he went on that real barren spell, didn't he, where he just wasn't Mm. scoring. So it's it's hard to really know. Uh, It's it's a guessing game no matter what. But um, do, do, do you think he would have got maybe 20 more or more goals? I don't think so, if I'm honest. Um, Just because I feel like he would have nestled between that kind of area where Saka and Martinelli fell. I think Martinelli had 15, Saka had 14 or 13, didn't he? Um, So I think he would have been in that kind of area because he he doesn't take penalties uh, and he doesn't take a lot of his chances. Um, Obviously, today was a little bit different, but... um, generally speaking. But something that we've seen with Jesus, and even when he was at City, is he can turn up sometimes and just net four goals in a match. Um, So so he's he's quite a bit of an enigma sometimes. So Mm. I think potentially he maybe could have, but I I wouldn't have bet my house on it. I think he probably at most would have got about 16, maybe 17, um, if he was pushing his limit. Um, But yeah, I I do think though, um, it will be a loss seeing Granit Xhaka um, depart and seeing his goals also leave the club. Um, It was also nice to see Jorginho play. Um, He's been... He's been a great player this season, a great signing um, since we got him in January. Um, and alongside Thomas Partey as well, um, he, I think he, he played um, a lot better than usual. Well, a lot better than he has played in the last uh, few weeks. Definitely a, a lot better at right back than he played in that uh, Forest game, that's for sure, because he really did not turn up in that fixture at all. So... That's promising. Um, I'm hoping that we're not going to need to ever use him at right back, to be honest. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of one of them. Um, it, it, it needs musts, if you will. Um, Tommy Asu out, um, Saliba out, so Ben White's had to shift across, go across. The, the same with Zinchenko, so that Kivio's had to shift across. It's sort of like a very makeshift back line, something that I don't think we'd need to call upon too often. But yeah, you're right, party. 
did play a lot better in this game. Um, and to be honest, he didn't really have to operate too much at right back, did he? Because of the the way the game went, and it was essentially all all Arsenal, no Wolves. So he was able to to sort of operate in the midfield area and, and sort of push on a little bit. Um, almost like Zinchenko would on the opposite side to a degree. Um, so yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he can continue that form into next season because that will be key. To, I think losing Jacker um, is one thing, but losing Partey in terms of the player who of Partey's caliber, if that's going to go in a downward trajectory, that's going to massively affect our midfield strength. You see, um, so. I'm hoping he can maintain this and become. I still want him to be an important aspect to our midfield. Um, that, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I don't want to just um, replace him and then him just dwindle and lose form and never get confidence. And, 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 and you, you see the pattern there. Um, so I'm hoping we can continue to to see that form get back to the party that we we've seen in the past. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And the fact that we're going to be challenging in the Champions League, the Premier League, FA Cup and the League Cup, you think there's going to be so many minutes for any player in that position to play. You know, you can't just rely on having two top quality central midfield players to be challenging in four different competitions, two of which you're playing the best teams in England and in Europe. You, You just can't have that because if one of them gets injured like we saw last season we were relying on the likes of Sambi Lakonga to, to step in in the Premier League and he's just not good enough the drop off is just too big to be able to rely on that kind of player so I think what we need is at least two super experienced players in those roles which we have got we've got Jorginho and we've got Partey I don't know if those are going to be our two starting players but if for example we get in a Declan Rice or maybe you get in a Caicedo, then that gives you the ability to have Partey alongside Declan Rice in the Premier League maybe, where Declan Rice has played so many Premier League games, he's already quite experienced uh, and they're, they're kind of like our main two. And then you go into the Champions League and you have Jorginho maybe partnered with Caicedo. So you've got that mix of experience and youth um, in the midfield. So I think you, you 100% need at least four players in those positions. I know we, we will be getting Lakonga back, I think, um, after his loan. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play a massive part for us next season, but who knows? We could all be all could be surprised because football's a strange game and stranger things have happened. But I just can't see him being a major fixture in our, in our Arsenal team for next season. Uh, I don't see that either. I, I think that the Burnley narrative seems really strong. You know, the the Vincent Company returns to the to the Premier League um, player that he managed at Anderlecht. It seems sort of a given that he'll he'll, he'll go there um, on a loan basis. I imagine um, maybe permanent. Who knows? Um, we'll have to wait and see on, on that one. Um, but let's get back into the the game then. So we actually make made it three nil. Um, only twenty seven minutes in, three nil up. And uh, this is probably the pick of the bunch, I would say, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, lovely goal. Partey, Trossard, and Odegaard sort of combine. Um, Trossard plays in Saka, who bends a superb finish into the far corner. Um, and this sort of just sealed off a brilliant week for, for Saka, didn't it? The week that where he signed his his four-year contract extension at the club. Uh, were you happy with this? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you summed it up perfectly there. It signed off for a great week for him and great week for Arsenal fans in general. The fact that this is one player that we've all been pining for to actually sign up and get him get his contract extended just because, you know, he's our talismanic player. He represents Arsenal. He's an English boy, came through the academy. Uh, you know, he's an absolute prodigy of a player, probably one of the best up-and-coming players in England um, at the minute as well. So for him to be extended for another four years, so it not only secures him for at least the next two years or so um, in an Arsenal shirt, but it protects him as an asset as well if we did end up selling him after those two years, which I don't want to happen. And I don't think any Arsenal player or, or fan would want to see that happen. But it is, it's something that does happen and it's something that we need to be mindful of to be able to protect him as an asset as long as well as a player. Um, so, yeah, to see this goal, it, as you say, it was the pick of the bunch and unbelievable, really. The fact that... He gets this ball, gathers it, and he gets it out of his feet and shoots so quickly. Like the way that he sets the ball out to the left, he's like body, he's body fading to the right. So the player thinks he's going to go that way. But the way that he shifts his weight to the left, gets the ball under control, and then sets the ball out and bends it round. Unbelievable. Such a great finish. Um, almost kind of FIFA esque that you'd see those kind of perfect finishes that you don't usually normally see on an actual football pitch, but it, it was spectacular. And um, yeah, to, to put us three in a lot, we're cruising, it's in the sunshine. Um, and yeah, just a, a great spectacle to, uh, to be seeing Saka scoring after his contract extension. Yeah. Um, one other thing as well with regards to his contract that may or may not worry you. Uh, is I've heard rumours or speculation, so that's what it is, it's speculation, it's nothing confirmed or anything like that, that his agent was heavily trying to push um, a release clause in the in the uh, contract extension. Um, and the ultimate um, sort of compromise was instead of the, a five-year deal, um, it's been knocked down to a four-year deal. Um Again, it's speculation, so don't shoot me. Um, but uh, this is obviously his agent speaking and not Saka, so it, it's, it's, this is coming from him. But that sort of, for me, worries me slightly a little bit because it makes you think that he, he's got these, the, there are thoughts in Saka's agent's mind about a move at some point um, and they're already sort of looking into the possibility of that um but I imagine that comes with um, a degree of it's a safety net if Arsenal aren't challenging to the point where Saka should be challenging, if that makes sense. So yeah, I kind of get it. Um, and all good agents would, would do that for their clients. So, you know, it makes complete sense. But um, does it worry you slightly? Well, I'd be lying if I said that it didn't worry me at all. But this is just a kind of staple of an an agent saying that he's he's getting the player to to protect his kind of aspirations you know yeah. arsenal need to meet saka's expectations as a player for him to want to actually stay there he in his heart of hearts, of course, he's going to want to stay there. It's his boyhood club. He's come through the ranks there and he's played amazing and he, he's elevated the team back to where it should be, um, challenging at the top of the table. But 
it's about s- sustainability and if we can keep playing at that kind of level. Um, and I do believe if we're always in and around the top two or three in the Premier League and we're doing well in the Champions League, then there's absolutely no reason why he would want to leave. There's there's no reason to leave. Where would you go to? Unless you go to maybe like a Real Madrid or uh, Bayern Munich or something, who's you've got probably a better chance at winning the Champions League. There's not really any reason to, to want to leave Arsenal Football Club. Um, so I think it is literally just a case of in case Arsenal dwindle and they, they don't, end up uh, spending any money and trying to reinforce a club and end up finishing, what, sixth or seventh again. And if we dwindle all the way back down there, a player like Saka in four years' time is going to be 25, 26. In the absolute peak of his career, he's not going to be wanting to play Europa League again. This is what he did when he was 19 years old. He's going to be wanting to be up there in the Champions League. So I do understand it. I do get it. Um, And I'm just glad that he's signed for at least the next four years. Exactly. And like you say, um, if if that is the case, worst case scenario, then we've got the ability to then at least um, sell the asset on. You know, it's just in simple terms as that. Um, that is is ultimately uh, Arsenal's best interest. Interest if that is the 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 way it has to go. Um, but uh, let's hope that, that never happens and we just win the Champions League and the Premier League every. Day. <laughs> okay, um, so half time, 3 0. It's a classic end of season stuff. Um, we get back into the, the second half. We're essentially just seeing the same the same dominance, aren't we? Um, still absolutely battering them. Wolves, no chance of not creating anything. Um, and we score pretty early on, but it got sort of judged out um, for that classic Ben White tussle with the keeper. Um, sort of being a nuisance as he always does from a corner. I think he probably did just take it one step too far this time and gave um, Saar the keeper a bit, a bit too big of a, of a nudge. Um, and as soon as I saw that goal go in from Partey, I knew that was going to get ruled out um, because... Uh, he, he, you just don't get away with that sort of stuff when when is involved, do you? No, no, you don't. Um, I think most notably there was that challenge that he made against, I can't remember who it was against, where he was just grabbing the keeper's hand and holding him, um, stopping him from even moving. And that goal got ruled out as well, which that was also Ben White. And I don't know if it's, if it's a tactic that's worth exploring, to be honest, because... If if it's going to get ruled out, then you might actually ruin a good opportunity for yourselves. If if a ball comes in and you actually end up scoring, and the goalkeeper would have had no influence on the play in that area, mm-hmm. then you're potentially kicking yourselves in 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 the in the uh, yourselves in the teeth, aren't you? If you yeah. if you're automatically ruling it out, but I guess you know if he does enough to put him off, but not a foul and then it ends up working out well for us, then you could argue it on the other side of the corn, couldn't you? But um, yeah, pretty good finish from party actually, wasn't it? Absolute rifled it into the roof of the net. But um, yeah, yeah, just a, a silly, silly holding from uh, from Ben White. And it, what bugs me, to be honest, and I know it, it's not massive because it's we're 3-0 up and it's the last game of the season, which doesn't really mean anything. But this is the sort of thing that we would potentially see ruled against us, but we wouldn't get anything for it early in the season. 
I think if I'm if I remember correctly, we had a free kick from was it Douglas Louise from Aston Villa? He scored from a corner, and there was a mm. bit of there was a bit of um, to and fro, a bit of pushing on Ramsdale in that instance as well. But uh, you know, quite a bit of physicality holding him off. And nothing got done about that. So there's the inconsistencies that we've had through this season. But I don't want to moan too much about referees because it's already gone. The horse has bolted and it's, it's already at the finish line kind of thing. But yeah, just another little observation. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. There's it, just a fine line with it, I think. I think that's the thing that, that Ben White needs to, to learn is that, yeah, putting a keeper off and becoming a nuisance is one thing. But then actually fouling them in the build-up is just stupid because, you know, best-case scenario, you score, it's just going to get disallowed. So um, I do like the tactic, and it does work. And he is that sort of player that can get in players' heads. Um, And we'll come on to it a little bit later. Um, But the fifth goal um, that we score ultimately from a corner, he does do it again. Um, And it is a nuisance, and it does cause them um, a little bit of a scramble. Um, and you know we score from it so there's another side of the coin where it works but we'll come into that a little bit later um, eventually we do get the fourth though um, again it was brilliant work from Trossard who got away down the left hand side and send, sent in a perfect cross for Jesus it was just bang on his head the keep, the, he was being marked by the defender but just because of the precision of the cross he didn't really have to to work for it. He just he just nodded it in the in the corner. It was a beautiful finish. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he could sign off the the final game of the season with a with a goal for Jesus. Um, yeah, hopefully we can see more of that again next year. Yeah, and this is what we say uh, about Jesus being on the on this right side, where this is also where he made almost like a late run on that right-hand side. Um, and then when the ball was cut back across, the thing, it was by Trossard, wasn't it? Um, the, the perfect ball back into him. Usually you'd see him more centrally. Um, and he was on that right-hand side. And he, he's he got a good leap on him, to be fair, for a, a smaller guy. Good leap on him. Got over the player and um, perfect header. Uh, and mm. as you say, this is these are the sort of areas where we're not used to seeing him pop up in and he's popped up in the mini scored. So yeah, I, I, and got an assist as well. Um, so it's good to see. It's good to see that um, Jesus is on the score sheet. He's not going to be holding anything over his head going into the first game of next season. There's no sort of goal drought that's spooked him before he gets into him. We know in pre-season, he usually turns it on as well. So hopefully we have a, uh, a fully firing Jesus for the start of next season. Uh, mm. A Saka with no contract worries above his head. A Martinelli with no contract worries above his head. And fingers crossed, a f- uh, fully fit Saliba back also with mm. no contract uh, negotiations above his head because that's something that we really need to get pen to paper on uh, over this summer, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's massive. I think the stack of one is obviously huge, but um, we can get Saliba tied down as well. Maybe even Odegaard as well, because um, he's only got a few years left too. So um, that would just sort of, that's a, a real sort of statement, isn't it? All of our best players, a lot of our youngest players, all on long contracts, no sort of clouds over anyone's head. Um, 
it just adds that stability to the to the dressing room. Um, all the other players know that it's likely that this is the team for, for the next few years. So, yeah, it just gives you that peace of mind. Um, so, yeah, it is huge. And I'm hoping we can um, get that Saliba one sorted because we've seen what a loss he's been over the last few months. And um, he's got to be one of the, the best up-and-coming young centre-backs in the world, uh, if we're being realistic. So to have him in our team um, is a, he's a real gem. So hopefully, yeah, we can um, get that one sorted. Um, I alluded to it earlier. We got the fifth goal. Um, none, of, none other than uh, Kivio uh, getting his first goal for the Arsenal. I would say the keeper, Saad, did have a little bit of a nightmare with this one sort of fumbled the shot uh, into the net. Um, ball sort of failed to clear the, the danger from the corner. I think Smith Rowe actually sort of nudges it into to Kivior's pass. So he's done well there. To, I wonder if he, I don't know if he got the assist for that, actually, but I, I imagine so, because he certainly made contact with it. Um, not sure whether it was intentional. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said earlier it was a bit of a Ben White nuisance on the line and who knows that may have uh, played a part with the with the fumbling of the ball because uh, you know, it was a bit of a mare for, for Jose Sarr. Yeah I, I don't think Kirio's gonna moan too much about getting his Premier League first goal is he? I think however it happens even if it goes in off your arse you're gonna be happy aren't you just to get on the score sheet for your, your first ever uh, Premier League goal and to get it on the final day of the season as well that's gonna be a, a real uplifting moment for him um, going into the pre-season for next season knowing that he's had a little run of games he's performed quite well in some of the games as well um, well some games decent, some games not so decent. But to finish on a high, he's got a clean sheet. He's scored a goal right at the end of the game. Yeah, he's, he's going to take that. And um, I feel like we're going to see a lot more of Kivior next season. I feel he's going to be one of our, probably one of our best rotation players in terms of in the smaller, I say smaller, but say if you're, you're playing like a Club Bruges or that, that kind of team, um, dead rubber in the Champions League or in the League Cups and the FA Cups. I think he's going to play all of those games. Um, and <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Potentially, if um, Gabriel or Saliba's injured, we know that he can step into that role now. So, yeah, it's, it's great to see him get on the score sheet. And he, he's kind of like an unknown quantity. We don't really know too much about him, still as of yet, even though we've, we've had him since January. So, to see him develop and to see him... Uh, have more contribution in terms of an attacking sense at corners and things like that. That's always great to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. We we don't really know too much about him as of yet. All we know is um, a lot of big clubs in Italy were vying for his signature. We managed to get it. Um, he's certainly done himself no harm with the with the games that he's come in for his last sort of seven or eight games. Um, he's, I think he's actually shown that he's um, certainly of, of the level required to, to be a successful centre-back in the league. Um, so, yeah, uh, it'll be an interesting one to see. And, um, yeah, it'd be nice for him to get a full pre-season in uh, over over the, um, the summer. Because, um, obviously, with him being a January signing, he hasn't ever had that. So, this is you know, sort of just the start of it, really. Um, so, yeah, um, fingers crossed um, he can be um, 
one of our more um, reliable substitutions. So, yeah. Sorry, was you going to say something? Uh, the only thing I was just going to touch on briefly then is when you're saying about um, him having a full pre-season, that's something which... You know, Trossard, Jorginho, Kivior, and even the likes of Fabio Vieira, he was injured for the whole of the preseason. So he's going to have mm. um, a lot of games under his belt and a lot of minutes in the preseason, uh, hopefully. And um, yeah, so the whole squad um, is going to be, is going to have a couple of months worth of just full on working on the training pitch together and being able to you know, really embed those automatisms that we saw develop over the season, but they can be there from the start of next season. And mm. we're not even going to have to try and work out who should play where or what our best position is for each player, because if they're all together in a group and they've they've got this harmony and all these minutes of playing together, then we're not a team full of players that are being brought in and getting up to speed and having to do this and having to do that. We, we've got our first 11 now and we can just add to it. So that's another, a, another positive notch uh, to be able to bring into the following season. Yeah, definitely. I'm hoping we can get our recruitment done early as well. A little bit like last year, because I think that was, was pretty big when we had Jesus. I know Zinchenko joined sort of, mid preseason whilst we was over in the USA. Um but I think that was where the players started started to think, you know what? We're actually a pretty good team. You know, they battered Chelsea four nil. Um, you know, it was it was sort of where the the belief probably stemmed from for this season. Um so I think getting recruitment done early, it's not always possible, let's be honest, but if you can do it early it does give you a good advantage um, going into the season, that's for sure. Okay, um, so that's the scoreline, 5-0. That's how it finished, um, which ultimately means Arsenal finished the season second. Five points behind champions Manchester City, who actually lost on their final game of the season. What <laughs> makes me think what could have been. Um, but in reality, they probably would have gone out of a different team if it wasn't such a, a dead rubber of a game for them. Um but uh, yeah, nine points clear of third place, uh, which was Manchester United, and twenty-four points ahead of Tottenham. So uh, overall, not a not a bad position to, to be in. Yeah, not a bad position uh, at all. I think it's the sort of position where, well, we've all said it, but if we had offered us this place at the start of last season, um, then we would absolutely have bitten your hand off and said, yes, give it to us right now. You know, Spurs out of the Champions League spots, um, Arsenal progressing up to second, having a having a toe-to-toe Champions League race with Manchester City and just falling five points short come the 38th game of the season. It's something that we all would have absolutely wished and dreamed for, but, you know, due to the chronology of events and with Man City having games in hand and etc., it, it kind of felt like a cataclysmic, you know, falling apart at the end of the season for Arsenal because it looked like we were so far ahead and we were so far ahead. Um, it did kind of perceive the perception of us being ahead of you know we were eight points clear for so long but Manchester City always had one slash two games in hand um you know which in reality is five points and then we've still got to play them as well you know it's it's one of those things where it 
isn't a real reflection of of the league. Um, mm. And but yeah, it, it was it was an absolute roller coaster. I think every Arsenal fan enjoyed the whole way through. There was some really hard moments, some amazing moments as well. Last minute winners were we've talked about as well, um, and that incredible run that we went went on just before we went on that awful run. Um, that was probably the, the best moment in recent years of the Premier League for Arsenal. And um, mm. that's something that I'm hoping that we can build on for next season and we can do it right from the off straight away mm. again and uh, get off to a hot start. Mm. Yeah, I think so. It's It's been a crazy season, um, but it's been full of special moments and it is a shame to, to just miss out. But... Um, I've loved it. It's it's been um, one of the best seasons of my lifetime, to be honest. Um, so let's uh, yeah, like I say, keep our fingers crossed that we can continue to to build on it and um, push again for the upcoming season. Okay, is there is there anything else that you, we may have missed or that you want to 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 bring up? Uh, I can't really think of anything too much. All I want to say is there will still be some Arsenal Ramble content coming over the summer. Um, just because there's no games, we're still going to be touching on potential transfers and uh, uh, links, etc. And we'll be touching on some of the pre-season games that we'll be playing as well. Um, and I just want to thank all of the listeners as well, just because we only started doing the Arsenal Ramble since the 6th of November 2020. 22 and we've we've grown quite impressively since then and um just want to thank all of you guys that tune in every week and uh share our share our well elation and deflation shall we say for, <laughs> for both, both ends of the spectrum so yeah i just want to give a special shout out to all of our listeners so uh, that's nice yeah thank you guys um another thing worth mentioning is um we've recently recorded a, a very special podcast with um, an ex-Arsenal coach, uh, Roy Massey. He was the um, assistant academy manager um, during the Arsene Wenger years, uh, retired now. Uh, we've done a, uh, an interview with, with Roy talking about his um, recently released book. And um, it does. we do go into some interesting things that um, I think you guys will... We'd like to hear so keep your, your eyes peeled for that podcast we're going to aim to get that out next weekend um so that should be the the start of the the content to keep us going throughout the summer but yeah like tom said we're going to get um plenty of content out around transfers and and uh yeah pre-season stuff as well okay um that's it for another episode of the arsenal ramble so um big thank you for listening and uh take care take care you're listening to the Arsenal Rumble. Through the storm